Hey everyone, I'm Jordy, the Bible School and Tech Director here, and welcome or welcome back to Impact Life Church's online experience. After the message, please take a moment to like or subscribe, but most importantly, we hope that this message inspires you to impact this generation for Jesus. Good morning, everyone. How's everybody doing this fine morning? Man, we're doing awesome. We're so glad that you're here. We want to welcome you. Kind of what my beautiful wife said earlier, if this is your first time here, you belong here. We want to welcome you. This, what kind of church is this? Well, it's a church that, number one, we love Jesus, don't we? Secondly, we love one another. And so uh, just before we get started, um, just wanted to give an opportunity just to talk about something that we're launching in a couple of weeks here. Excellent. And it's called Freedom Session. So if you haven't heard about it, what we want to do is extremely encourage you to come on out to the information night this Tuesday. What I mean by that is if it's been in your mind or on your heart, even just a tiny ounce, and you're like, what is this Freedom Session thing? I just want to encourage you, come on out, hear the details of the program, and you know what? That, that may be your first step. That may be where God gives you your, yes, this is for you. So I want to encourage you, come on out. It's here at the church um, at, what, 7 o'clock? Yes. So Freedom Session, the, the reason why we're even running it, it has been on our heart and our leadership's heart for years to run a program where you can learn how to walk out your freedom. Because what we sang about this morning is the truth, right? That we have been set free, that when Jesus walked into our life, everything changed. Those chains had been broken. But sometimes we need to get some healing emotionally, mentally. Sometimes we need to learn some tools in actually how to walk out that freedom. And actually, Pastor Joel and I were talking about it this summer, and he said, what I would say to people, I would challenge you, if you believe that the word says Jesus has set you free, then come on out and learn to actually how to walk it out. Right. Come on out to this program. That was his challenge to us, right? Come on out and actually learn these tools because we want to see the freedom in your life. Yeah. Um, you want to add anything to that? Well, no, and just part of the reason, like the Lord gave us two words for us as a church family this year, and it's the words dig deep. And we're going to get into that next week, get more talking about it. But these are just two profound words that really you see in the scriptures quite often. And Jesus referred to his words as a lot of times people use the Bible in just mere Bible studies. And a lot of people can talk Christianese. Anybody ever hear people talk Christianese? Amen, brother. <laughs> there it is, right? <laughs> How art thou? And they get all, you know, get all religious and weird. And uh, Jesus said, you don't just take these words of mine and use them in mere Bible studies. He's, these, these words are to be applied, and you're supposed to use them to dig deep with. And so that's what the Lord just gave us, these words. And so if there's areas that, any area of your life that you're finding, man, I'm not walking in the complete freedom that Jesus came and purchased for me. Don't settle with it. Don't be content with where you're at. There is so much more. And don't be scared of it either. It's not like, oh, man, what, what's going to happen in this? It's going to be for your benefit, so you go through it. Right? And that's the whole purpose of what Freedom Session is all about. And, yeah. um, and if the Lord leads you to do it, you know, don't think of all the details. Just come to Tuesday night. Um, I've already heard of a couple already. Mom and Dad, they've already booked babysitter for every Tuesday night for 28 weeks. All right? God has provided the means for them to go. So if it's on your heart, come on out, yep. and we look forward to seeing you yeah, there. Yeah, it'll be good. It'll be a fun time. Thank you, sweetheart. <clears throat> all right, everyone. Well, good morning again. Man, we're so thrilled, you know, just continuing our series that we've been have over this past summer. And I believe this week will be kind of the last one, just talking about Jesus people. And anybody want to be a Jesus person? Man, I don't know about you, but I say every morning, I'm a Jesus man. Now, you say a Jesus woman or a man, just to keep it simple, right? I know there's a lot of confusion out there, but I'm a Jesus man, right? And you're a Jesus woman if you're a female. 
And uh, man, so we're so thrilled. And this is what we're going to continue talking about this morning. And if you've got your Bibles, I don't have it on the screen. Uh, I'm going to just do a little bit of a recap of what we've been talking about because I, I, I want to, I don't want to jump into this too quick because this has been revolutionary to me. And uh, of course, I've done some study on this prior to, but man, this has just totally rocked my world again. And it's really talking about humility and pride. And uh, pride will absolutely wreck your life. And uh, so that's what I want to talk about this morning. And so this, the whole purpose and, and intention of this morning is uh, I'm going to get up in your grill again this morning. Is everybody okay with that? Yeah. Everybody, it seems like you keep coming back. So obviously you like me getting up in your grill. But uh, the reason is, is just to talk about real clearly about what the Word of God says. Because a lot of times people are looking for answers from God. And again, I'm jumping ahead of myself. But really, you can only receive from God what your humility will receive. It is vital that you and I walk in humility. It is absolutely necessary for you and I to live out this Christian life, not just in the essence of I got to walk in humility. It's Christ likeness. This is who we're called to be. Anybody receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, right? It didn't stop the moment you said, Jesus, come into my heart. I want you as my Lord. Now it began. What's this journey that I'm on? It's this journey of learning to live like him, learning to think like him, learning to act like him. So rather than just seeing what Jesus did in the Bible and go, oh, man, that's amazing. And of course it is. But he calls you a child and you're his very own. He expects you and I to do the same works that he did. Oh, what? Can that happen? Absolutely. So what does it take? New ways of thinking. We got to see ourselves in a brand new, different way and take on this Christ likeness. And so that's what I want to talk about this morning. Everybody okay with that? So talk about Jesus people. And I don't know about for you, but this has been again, stirring in my heart. And this is something that I always go back to and refer to is this relationship with Jesus. Everything in this life, in this Christian life revolves around a intimate relationship with Jesus. Glad we're all excited about that five people. I know the rest of you will come, but it's all about this relationship with him. Cause when you have one with him, it changes you for the better. And, uh, you know, I want to just read this verse to you in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, or sorry, verse chapter 6, verse um, 16. We'll pick it up there just for a quick sec. And again, I do apologize. I don't have it on the screen. This just came in me as I was just praying this morning. And this is, we're kind of catching God in mid-sentence of something that's been in his heart from the very beginning. From the moment he called Moses to deliver Israel, this has always been in God's heart. This has been in his mind. And in verse 17, this is what God said. I will live in them. I will walk among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. So he says, therefore, come out from unbelievers and separate yourselves from them, says the Lord. Don't touch their filthy things and I will welcome you. I will be your father and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. This is his design. This is his desire is that you walk as a son and daughter of the most high God. This has been his heart from the very beginning. He said, I want to walk among them. I want to be in them. This is we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. This is what he's desiring is closeness with you and I. Right? You can read it in the Garden of Eden. What did God do? He walked with Adam in even the cool of the day. This is what he did. God designed you and I for intimacy. So I don't know about you, but on this earth, I don't have to wait till I get to heaven to walk close with him. I can walk close with God now. Man, and I think this is exciting. The God that put all the planets in the sky calls me son and wants to hang out with me. Are you kidding me? That'll make everybody get off Netflix and go hang out with him. When you actually grasp the reality of God wants to be with me and he wants to be with you. Why? Just because he loves you. Now, one thing I'm learning about God is about his relationship side. God is relational. 
right? If you look in, even in the gospel of John, you can see really clearly Jesus just encountered different people because he wanted them. You and I as human beings were directional. What does that mean? Well, I'm going to hang out with you. if We got a similar interest, right? Anybody here, you know, like, like, uh, no, no, like uh, Kawasaki ninjas. One. Okay. Oh, two. All right. Okay. So we'll, we'll hang out. Can you see guys? Oh, I want to hang out with these guys because they got ninjas. So you can see how directional we are, but God is just interested in the person. He wants you. So he'll start a relationship just because he likes you. Now the same way God just designed you and I for this. And so as I read again in second Corinthians chapter six, this has been his intent from the whole time. And the reality about this relationship is that if God were in charge of our relationship, we would know the word inside and out. We would be led in every single decision that we've had to make. We would know everything all the time because he, if he was in charge of the relationship. But the wild thing is, is he put the relationship in your hands. How badly do you want him? He's left it with you. He's completely given it over to you. How far do you want to go in God? He left it into your hands. You give God an inch, he gets, he will take a... An inch. You give him a foot, he takes a foot. It's the opposite on the enemy side. You give the devil an inch, he takes a foot. He's a jerk. God is completely polite. He's respectable of boundaries. He will not just enforce himself on you. So whatever you give him. So I commend you this morning. You came this morning. So what did you do? You gave God something. Now God's able to get something to you. So no matter what, like don't underestimate God. Whatever you give him, if it's the smiliest times of the day, or if it's a lot during the day, if it's throughout the day, he will take whatever he can get from you. That's how good he is. Man, I love that. And so we've been talking about this, but the people that know their God, Daniel chapter 11, verse 32, what are they? They will be strong and carry out great things. Now, this is what I'm noticing for myself. We can get, you know, people can get hyped and start talking about the great things. And, oh, yeah, I want to do great things for God. But it doesn't start with the, you can, it's good to dream big, but start small. I want to do these great things for God. That's great. But it starts with every single day opening the word of God and spending time with him. It starts every single day just taking some time, praying in other tongues, fellowshipping with God. It starts with every single day taking time just to sit and listen to what he's got to say. All of that begins you starting to see him, starting to know him intimately. And all of a sudden, the exploits, the great things being done will automatically come because you know him. See, a lot of times people are trying to make these exploits happen, make these great things happen, when in fact it's a byproduct of knowing him. When I know him, I'll automatically be in line with the works that he wants to do. And they're great. Everything Jesus does is great. Can you see that? So rather than going, oh God, help me do great things. My prayer has changed in, Lord, I want to know you intimately. Rather than, oh Lord, help this. Help me be a major blessing to all the people across the nation. Changing it to now, Lord, I want to know you intimately. Show me your heart. I want to love what you love. I want to hate what you hate. I want you, Jesus. So my prayer has changed that way because I want to know him. Man, and people that know God, guess what? They're dangerous to the kingdom of darkness. Hmm. Man, you know, one day I'm, I'm expecting the devil praying for the rapture to come because everybody just knows him too strong. <laughs> All right. I'm glad you got excited about that. Okay. We'll continue on here. You know, Isaiah chapter 45 and 19, I'm going to just read this to you again. Isaiah said, I, or this is what God says. He said, I have not spoken in secret. In a corner of the land of darkness, I did not call the descendants of Jacob to a fruitless service, saying, Seek me in vain with no benefit for yourself. Here's the wonderful thing about it, is that when you spend time with God, guess who it's benefiting? 
You, me, when I get along with God and I start just praying with him, spending time in communication with him, reading his word, guess who it benefits? How many need some benefits? Yeah, I need some benefits. And this is the great thing about it. Every time you get with God, you think that you're doing God a favor. You're not. He's doing you a favor. Right? Every time you come to church, God doesn't go, thank you. Well done. He's going, I'm going to give you the favor. It's going to benefit you. You can't outgive God. This is who he is. So every time you choose to get along with God, no matter what it looks like, it says here, he said in his word that I will be benefited from it. <laughs> so maybe tell your spouse, you need to be spending some time with Jesus. It'd be good for them. Right? This is something that I'm grateful that my wife does on a regular basis. She says, I'm going to leave the family. I'm going to leave all three kids with you for a little bit. I'm going to go be with Jesus. <sighs> okay. <laughs> go get benefited, honey. We'll be fine over here. And so far, so good. <laughs> Now, again, the purpose of salvation. What is, again, the purpose of salvation? I'm just trying to tie in five weeks into one 10-minute segment here. Anybody remember what the purpose of salvation is? To know him. Y'all, do I have to do this all over again? Then we will. John 3, 16, what does it say? For God so... That he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have what? Everlasting life. What is everlasting life? I have no idea. Okay, John 17, 3. Everlasting life is this, is that to know Him, to know God, and to know the Son in whom He has sent. This is everlasting life. So everlasting life doesn't begin when you get to heaven. It begins right now because you can know Jesus more intimately than you know anybody else on this planet. That's His desire for you. Man, aren't you thankful for that? So everlasting life doesn't have to do with you know, quantity or how long it stretches out. It has to deal with the quality of the life that you live. And my quality of life is determined by how well my relationship with Jesus is. Can I prove that to you? Luke chapter 12. I, I'm not on my notes yet. This is still I'm just going to pave this little pathway here. But Luke chapter 12. Man, I better be careful. I don't get into a whole nother message here. Calm down, Joel. Calm down. All right. Okay, so you know, Jesus is giving a great teaching, talking about heaven, what it's going to be like, and how much the Father loves you. Then in verse 13, everybody see that? Luke 12, 13, it says, Then someone called from the crowd, Teacher, please tell my brother to divide our father's estate with me. Jesus replied, Friend? Other translations say, Man? I can see Jesus like he's preaching, and all of a sudden this guy interrupts him. Hey, tell my brother he's got to share the money with me. I can see, man, what, what are you doing? You're interrupting me. Oh, you got it here. Friend, who made me a judge over you to decide such thing as that? Then he said, beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. How many times you see somebody, you see a nice car, you see a nice house, or you go, man, they must be doing all right. Life is not measured by how much you own. Man, look at that sweet new ninja that Colton's got. That's, man, that's lit. I like that. Man, he must be doing all right, right? We, anybody ever used that terminology before? He must be doing good, right? We're basing it on what we see. We're basing it on, oh man, Joel's got a nice jean jacket on. He must be doing all right. <laughs> it's a little tight, but I'm all right. <laughs> then you go on, continue on. Then he told them a story, and I'll just, rather than reading the whole story, uh, verse 21, it says, yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth but not have a, what, rich relationship with God. 
my quality of life is not based on what I have. My quality, on base, my quality of life is based on my relationship with God. Because my relationship with God will dictate what I have out here. I, I'm, I'm rich because I have God. I'm rich because I'm intimate with Him. I'm rich because I'm close to Him. So again, I want to encourage you, what are you basing life on? How do you know when you've made it or you're doing good? Well, you know, got a good house and got a good job. That's all great. But I want to encourage you, your life is actually measured by your rich relationship with Him. Anybody in good standing with God this morning? When you wake up in the morning, how does it feel knowing that you're loved, you're accepted, you're known by Him? Man, it feels good, don't it? Now, this is the whole thing what we've been talking about is we want to be Jesus people. I want to not just know about this God. I want to know Him intimately. And the next part of this is I want to walk with Him. I want to work with Him. Do you know what I mean by working with Him? The Bible actually says that we are co-laborers with Him on this earth. Did you know that God needs you here? Come on, somebody. God needs you here. God is not taking anybody away early. He's no desire for that. Why? Because that just actually hinders his mission on this earth. He needs you here because in order for God to do anything here, guess what? He needs men, women, in order to carry out the plan of God. As you know that. So this is the whole purpose is I want to not just know about him. I want to know him intimately and I want to work and I want to walk with him in this earth to help carry out the plan that heaven has into this earth. You know, we're not just doing this for fun, church. We're actually here sent on a mission to fulfill what he's asked us to do, right? And of course, we can have fun. We, those are, that's great. But we're, don't forget that we're also mission-minded. We got a purpose here. Yes, it's to reach the lost, absolutely. But at the same time, it's also to train up and raise believers to know this. Because what I've been finding more and more in a few things of my travels, I'm, I'm looking at this going, you know, the, the size of a ministry does not dictate how good it is. The amount, the, the believers I believe in the church, the sons and daughters that know how to use their authority is what I look at going, that's how they dictate what's going to happen and how, how good a ministry is, is people that know their authority and are able to use it in this earth. And so that's our heart. So that's why we're doing Freedom Session is we're not here to build a big church. If that comes great, we're here to build big people. That's the whole purpose. That's the whole focus of what we do here impact generations for jesus because when you're impacted by him guess what you turn around and make an impact yourself so this is what we do our focus is not to build a big building our focus is to build big people and in fact building big people oh man heaven whatever heaven wanted to do in this city guess what it's going to get done why because we got big people here yay <laughs> all right anyways that was just for fun now let's get into this so now, how do I walk with him? Micah chapter 6 and verse 8. Very familiar verse of scripture again, but I want to read it to you. In the New Living Bible, it says, No, O people, and again, this is kind of we're catching God mid-sentence, but Israel was offering sacrifices. They were saying, well, does God want us to, you know, all this oil? Does he want this? Can we give him our children? What can we give God? And he says, no, I don't want any of that. He said, O people, the Lord has told you what is good. He said, this is what he requires of you to do what is right. Now, again, we're talking about walking with him. And we talked about this a few weeks ago, but to do what is right seems like common sense, but it ain't so common anymore. <laughs> right? And the way that I've really been saying this and the way that we, the Lord showed this to me is we are people who do not cut corners. 
I will not cut a corner in a relationship. I will not cut a corner, you know, in a quick, get quick, rich scheme. I will not cut corners, right? And we saw that from King David. Remember, he went up behind King Saul while King Saul was relieving himself, the Bible says, in the cave. And that the, David and his mighty men were further back in this cave. And all the men were like, yeah, go ahead, down it's your time. You can kill him now easily. So David went up there and he cut a piece of corner. He cut a corner off of Saul's robe. And right after he did that, his heart, his heart hurt him, his smote him, his conscience was not clear. I can't do that. I, I shouldn't be doing it that way. That's the type of conscience that I want in my heart. That all of a sudden something's wrong. No, I, I can't do that. I, I got to stop for a sec. I got to make this right. We are people who do what is right for the sake of just doing what's right. No, because I want to walk with him. That's the whole purpose. It's not a religious thing. Oh, I got to do what's right or I'm, I'm going to get hurt. None of that. I do what's right because I want to walk with him. Anybody else want to do that? It's what he likes. I want to love what he loves and hate what he hates. Then the next part is to love mercy. The Amplified actually says to be diligent, to show kindness, to practice being kind. Really? <laughs> this is what he loves. This is what he's like to love mercy, to love showing kindness, to practice as the Bible actually says to practice kindness. So when's the last thing you did some kind? If it takes a while to think about just, you know, just start over today. Just, just start over today. But again, it's not doing it for the sake of being, you know, I'm nice and Christian. I'm doing it out of motivated seeing I've received mercy. Therefore, now I can show it. So you start to burn out when you haven't seen God being kind to you. So whatever he does, I'm just going to mimic and copy what he does. And then thirdly, this is the one that I want to continue going down the line on is to walk humbly with your God. How are we going to walk with him? All right, the three people that answered that. How do we walk with him? Come on, say it again. How do we walk with him? Humbly. This is how we walk with him. So notice what it doesn't say. Walk with pride with your God. Notice, I love this too. He doesn't even say when you get your life in order, when you finally smartened up as a Christian, then walk with God. He's not looking for any perfection. Do you see anything in that in there? What is he looking for? A humble heart. He's looking for somebody he can work with. But why humility? Why humility? Well, number one is this, is because it's the only way that God can get his grace to you. It's the only way that grace can come and empower you. It's the only way that you can receive God's strength in order to overcome something is to walk humbly with him. Right? I believe this too. In order to fulfill what God has called you to do, humility is vital in it. It's absolutely crucial because if you think you know it all, you think you know the plan and this is what I'm going to do, God's not able to help you. Why? Because you know it all. Right? The second part, why humility? Because God wants to direct your life without you thinking you know best. Thirdly is, in your upward relationship with the Lord, how easy it is, how easy is it for him to imprint himself on you? So I'm going to just ask you a couple of these questions. Is it easy for God to help you? I want you to think about this for a sec. Is it easy for God to help you? Oh, you no, know, yes or no? <laughs> yes, no, maybe, I don't know. Is it easy for him to strengthen you? Is it easy for him to equip you with the task? Is it easy for God to direct your life? Is it easy for, uh, is it easy for God's nature that he put in you to come out? Can God teach you? Can God correct you? 
Because as much as there is woo, rejoicing and getting excited about the promises of God, there's just as much amount of scriptures as him talking about correcting you. Are you correctable? Are you teachable? Are you coachable? And not just from the Lord. Are you teachable? Other people in your life, can they say things to you that are you, you allowed into your voice into your life? Can they correct you? Can they bring direction? Can they bring strength? Maybe? No? Okay. Because this is what the Lord just shared with me this past week. This is what he said. I'm only able to give you in connection, or sorry, in correction and instruction, what your humility and your faith can receive. Simply why? It's not what we need that God gives us. It's what we can receive. Do I need to say that one more time? I'm going to say it again. The Lord is only able to give us in correction and instruction what our humility and our faith can receive. It's not what we need that God will give us. It's what we can receive. Humility is vital. <laughs> so the degree of your humility determines the limitations of your usefulness to God. And lastly, this is out of my dear diary, so excuse me, I'm just reading it. When you run out of humility, that's as far as God can use you. That's it. And I do not want to tap out with God. Anybody else not want to tap out? There's more. Okay, it is great. You, you know, again, that's like to me a Christian saying that you throw out there. There's more. Great. How do I get it? What is it? From where? Well, here it is. When you run out of humility, that's as far as it goes. So humility, really the, the way I put it last week, humility puts the car in drive and you're able to go anywhere with God. Humility will take you off the road. But what stops the car and puts the brakes on is pride. So the moment that you start to plateau, the moment that you start to see problems or any kind of blockages, check up on pride. Check to see if there's any of that in your life operating. Are we okay this morning? But <laughs> I was praying, I was just like, Lord, are we sure we're going to talk about this? Like, can we just talk about how fun it is to be Christians? And <laughs> but what I know is that this will absolutely set you on, this will set you free. This will absolutely, maybe you're not running this morning, but you will run one day. When you start to see, man, living the humility life will absolutely take you off and take you further than you've ever gone before. I guess I'm just going through this right now because even going through this season that as a church family we're going to go into, dig deep, it requires humility. So I'm standing before you as a, as a man who is working on pride. Do I have it all together? No. Will any of us ever get it all together and you finally dealt with the pride? No. Because as long as we live in this body, guess what? You all have to deal with pride. It's, it's the nature of the flesh is pride. So for myself, I'm just allowing the Lord to simply show me areas that need some changing or saying, you know what, that's, there's pride there. And really, you can't deal with it until it's identified. So this morning, all I'm going to do is I'm going to just simply identify by asking questions. So nobody raise their hands and say, that's me or say, oh yeah, I've worked with that. Just let's all just look forward. And just say, we're all working on this together. Can we do that? Let's just say that together. We're all working on this together. Right? We're all going to do our best. And what, again, what's the purpose for all this? It's so that we can walk with him. There is, listen, there is so much more that God has for your life than just what you're seeing right now. I know that because there's, you know, just even this past summer, I was frustrated. Well, is this it? Is this all that I'm going to be doing? Like, I thought there was more to this, God. And the Lord, rather than just saying, oh, Joel, open up a curtain and say, Look how much I have for you. Isn't it grand? And me just going, oh, yay, God, that's exactly what I was looking for. He started pointing out some of these things, talking about humility and pride. 
what? No, God, let's talk about the big vision. And you know, people perish if there's no vision. Oh God, I just need a big vision. And I'm looking for like something like Moses, like go to, you know, the prime minister and say, and let my people go. I'm looking for something big. Oh, like prime minister, sir, let my people go. Go where? I don't know, but let them go. I'm looking for something like that. And instead of hearing that, I get humility and pride. Say what? (laughs) Why does it always have to come back to me? Why can't it be everybody else's fault and not mine? (laughs) But I believe this is what the word teaches. This is what the scriptures teach. It's not just all up to God. God's just not just pulling levers and, you know, throwing good things at people once in a while. It depends on how well you and I, in humility, walk with this, walk with God. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Oh, it's going to be fine. All right. So again, just to talk real quickly, the three things last week, what is humility? Can anybody remember? Because if not, we're going to stay here till two. What is humility? Where's my teacher's pet? Where are they? Terry, you're right here. What is it, Terry? What is our, what is our three things? Number one is humility lives in reality. Humility loves truth. Can you say it with me? Humility loves truth. Let me encourage you. Fall in love with truth. Well, I thought we we're supposed to love God and love people. Yeah. Well, didn't Jesus say, I am the way, the truth? Isn't the word of God called the word of truth? Isn't the Holy Spirit called the spirit of truth? So when you're saying love truth, you're saying, I love this man. I love truth. And even it says in 1 Corinthians 13, it says, love rejoices when right and truth prevail. It throws a party. Love gets excited. Woo, 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 woo. When? When truth is lived out. So let me encourage you, love the truth. The whole truth and nothing but the truth. So help you, you. All right. So Romans chapter 12, verse three, this is Paul saying, I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly. So he's saying not have a high mind about yourself, but also not to over underestimate yourself. He says to live in the truth because you can meet people on either side of the ditch. Anybody ever met a real arrogant, cocky guy? Oh, Lord Jesus, what do you want to do to them? We want to do something that's not Christian, don't we? And then on the other side of the ditch is we got, oh, I'm just no good. I'm just useless. And what do you want to do to that guy? The same thing, no matter what, these guys are both getting slapped. (laughs) So what do we got to do? We got to stay in the middle of the road. What is it? I love truth. And so last week we talked about four in you realities. What are the in you realities? (laughs) Isn't that a great confession to say? In myself, I am nothing. And is that absolutely true? Yes. In him, I'm complete. Right? Notice in him. You've got to keep that saying in there. Because the moment you take out in him, and you can say, oh, I'm everything. Now you're not. All right. The next one we talked about is in yourself, you know nothing. Okay. I think there's a few people that need to say this out loud. In myself, I know nothing. Let's say it again. No thing. No, I got it all planned out. No, 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 no. In yourself, you know nothing. But in him, I have the mind of Christ. So can you see, like, in, you know, in... I know nothing in myself. I know nothing. He's not saying go over here. And he's not saying, oh, man, I know everything. He's saying in him, 
I have the mind of Christ. And is that true? Absolutely. The third one we talked about is in yourself, you have nothing. Fourthly, in yourself, you can do nothing. But in him, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But notice where I can do it. I can do it in him. At the moment I get out of in him, I'm falling either on the arrogant side or I'm falling into the what's wrong with me side. Okay? So it loves the truth. So that's why Philemon chapter 1 verse 6, it says that the communication of your faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing that is in you, which is in Christ Jesus. So let me encourage you, acknowledge some truth every morning when you wake up. What's the truth? The truth is, I am anointed to carry out my job for the glory of God. That's what I say. Man, when I come up here, I am anointed to preach the word of God so people get it. Is that true? Absolutely. Well, because it's not in me. God anointed me. He's given me the ability. It's not me coming up with these nice ideas. It's him. And I'm so aware that anything good that comes out of this building, it's him. Anything that stinks, guess what? It's me. So if there's something you don't like at this building, it's probably Terry. Or just, just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's me. Can you see that? Because in myself, I can do nothing. But with him, woo, it's good. And so that's why I encourage you if it, if you want to look hard enough, you'll find lots of bad things in this church. I'm sure there are. I haven't seen it. But if there, <laughs> I'm just kidding. But in that reality is, is you can look hard enough, you can find problems anywhere. There's problems anywhere. So what we do is we just keep our eyes fixed on him and we do this to the best of our ability that God's given us. <laughs> right? Okay. So the first one is humility loves truth. Secondly, humility asks, pride assumes don't just assume that I'm going to do this. Or don't just assume I'm going over here. Don't just assume I'm taking that job because it's a great paying job. Ask. Humility asks. Right? Pride just assumes. And a great example, I'm not going to get into it, but Mary and Martha. Luke chapter 10. You look at the last couple of verses in chapter 10. And it talks about Mary was so distracted by doing all this work. She was prepping a meal. Right? Remember that? And what was her sister Mary doing? Sitting at Jesus' feet, doing nothing. And she actually interrupted the meeting, said, Jesus, don't you care that I'm out here sweating and toiling and making all this trying to work, and my sister does nothing. Tell her to come help me. Whoa, pride major. What happened? She just assumed, oh, there's a lot of people coming to my house. She just assumed, okay, well, I got to prep some food. I got I to get it all together because these guys are going to be hungry. When just a few days ago, Jesus fed 5,000 with two loaves and five fish. She could have just went, hey, Jesus, do you want me to prep a meal? He said, no, nah, just have a seat, listen for a little bit. He just assumed rather than just simply asking, right? So we don't just assume things, we ask. The same Holy Spirit that told Jesus to lay hands on someone for their healing is the same Holy Spirit that told him to spit in the mud and wipe it on the guy's eyes. So don't just assume everything, right? right? It's vital. This is a big one for us. Don't just assume. And thirdly is we have to put on humility. You got to put it on. Everybody say, put it on. It doesn't just come naturally. You have to, on purpose, put on humility. In Colossians chapter 3, I'm going to read it to you. Verse 12, it says, Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves. Say, you must Man, like, it, wouldn't it be wrong if you went to work without putting your clothes on? What would your, job, what would your boss do? Um, yeah, you need to put something on. 
So the same way, every morning when you wake up, you got to clothe yourself spirit. This is what I'm putting on in the spirit. I'm putting this on. What am I putting on? Tender-hearted mercy. Everybody, everybody put it on this morning? Some of you forget you put your tender-hearted socks on? Then he says, put on kindness. Then he says to put on humility. Then he says to put on gentleness and patience. There's your outfit. You know what? It'll look better than anything else you got to wear out here. Why does he tell us to put it on? Can you guys get verse 13 too? That'd be awesome. Why? Because you're going to have to make allowance for each other's faults. <laughs> Why do I have to put all that on? Because guaranteed somebody is going to hurt you or offend you. Guaranteed. Why? Because we're people. It's what we do good at. Right? He says, and forgive anyone who offends you. That's why we put it all on. Everybody say, put it on. Don't take it off. Just put it on and then remind yourself, I'm putting it back on again. Leave it on. And here's the thing too, because in uh, 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 5, the Bible tells us if you um, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. God does not humble people. That's just a nice Christian saying. Again, what we're doing is we're putting it all off on God. God humble me. If you don't, then well, whatever happens, happens. No, he said you humble yourself. You bow low. You go low. God's not going to push you down. He's like, you get down there. Get, stay low. He says, you do it. Everybody say, you do it. And when you do it, this will save a lot of marriages. And the Bible says, submit yourselves to one another. What do you, that mean? I'm bowing low to you. Well, I'm the man. I don't do that stuff. You're an idiot. <laughs> Have fun on the couch for the next month. Bow low. Right? Can you see pride? Uh, we'll get into this. Now let's, let's talk about this. But notice, um, but if you bow low, then God's able to exalt you. If you don't bow, he can't elevate you. Can you see that? Okay. So now talking about pride. Oh, man. And how many know there's so many benefits to walking in humility? Humility people, humble people get the grace. Anybody interested in more grace? I need more grace. I need it. And you know what it says in, what is the, the verse I have here? It's Numbers chapter 12, verse 3. Don't turn there. But this is what Moses said about himself, that Moses was the meekest man on the whole earth. In his generation, would we all agree, he was the meekest man in all the whole earth. And who else was Moses? He was the most used man in his whole generation. So can you see meekness, humility, and being used by God is vitally connected. As long as you think you are something, Oh, game over, man. We ain't, ain't going past there. Why does God not like pride? Because it's the very nature of the devil himself. It stinks. Okay. All right, are we ready? Dun, 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 dun. Why don't we just smile at our neighbor real quick and just smile at him and say, I love you. It's going to be okay. Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. But what we're doing is we're just going to take some time just to allow God to identify things in our lives that need some change. Are we okay with that this morning? It's, it's vital. And it, listen, this is part. So don't just say, this isn't Christian what's going on. No, it's Christian. Hebrews chapter 12, you can see that God, he corrects those whom he loves. And I don't look at it going, oh man, there's so much that I got to change. Don't look at it that way. Look at it going, okay, I see that. I'm going to make a change. I'm going to go a little differently now. Just see it in that light. Don't get all, because again, Jesus, the way that he lives his life is light and easy. 
So he doesn't give you something that you can't do. Right? Come on. So when you hear some of these questions are going to be asked going, oh, man, I, just, I better stop. Doing it. Don't go there. He's going to help you. He's going to reveal things to you because he wants you to live just like him. <laughs> okay, let's go. <laughs> so let's talk about just pride for a sec here. But pride, the definition of it, it means to have a high and lofty estimation of oneself. An overestimation of yourself and your abilities. To brag is to be prideful. To inflate and to in blow smoke. <laughs> just, I'm some, you're just stirring all this up. Look what I can do. I've got something else. You know, we, we see that enough for myself. I watch a lot in the sporting realm and it is the most a repulsive thing that I could see. When I see a true athlete that is humble, man, either, you know, passing credit on, saying, oh man, my coaches, my, my team, and number one, God gave me this. You know what happens when that, my heart instantly goes, I like that guy. I might never even watch the sport again, but I sure like that guy. Right? Why? Because they just, they pass it on. They live humbly. They know they live in truth. Right? And that's vital. <laughs> okay. All right. Again, so like I said, everyone has to deal with pride. Why? Because it's the nature of the flesh. So how does God see pride? Now, this, again, this has been my prayer, Lord. I want to live like you. I want to love what you love, and I want to hate what you hate. Because you know what? To love God means I also hate what he hates. Can't just love God and then love what he hates as well. I love him. I love what he does. What he hates, I hate. So let's talk about this. Why does God... Or how does God see pride? In Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16 and 17, I think I have it in the New Living, or New King James, sorry. It says, these six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are a, what? An abomination to him. What is an abomination? <laughs> now, <laughs> I grew up in church. Anybody else grew up in church before? Or grew up in, before? Anybody grew up in the church? Like, I lived in these pews for I don't know how long. But... You know, hear kind of things and, oh man, chewing gum in church is an abomination to him. Going to a movie theater, it's an abomination. Well, that's all a little bit much. Let's just calm down a little bit. But when God says something is an abomination to him, yeah, I'm going to pay attention to that. Okay, ready? So these are the six things that he hates and then the seventh is an abomination to him. So the first thing that he says in verse 17 is <laughs> a proud look. He hates it now when you hear the word hate don't just go oh he dislikes it no no he he can't stand the scent of it he can't stand the look of it other translation i'll read it to you from the passion bible it says um this is an abomination putting others down while considering yourself superior is an absolute abomination other translations say haughty eyes so this at any point is eyes that would look at somebody and go I got more than them. I'm better than them. Because the Bible even says, I believe that's Galatians 6, anybody who thinks that they are anything really isn't that much at all. So how does God view pride? How does he see it? It's an abomination to him. So again, now I'm looking to walk with him. I'm wanting to go the distance with God. So I'm asking the Lord, Lord, show me in my own life the very thing that you hate, the very thing that you can't even stand the look of, I want that out of my life. Anybody else want that out of my life? So I'm really saying, God, go ahead, view it. 
Check this thing out. Check this thing in. Go all the way around it. And this is the verse that the Lord showed me. It's Psalm 139, verse 23, 24. Search my heart, O God, and find anything in me that is unpleasing to you. Now, what I'm talking about here is going to next level Christianity. I could have given you a nice, you know, here's a nice message. Everybody could be happy and we all go home. I'm talking about those you want to go further with him. Anybody else want that? And I'm not just talking for, I'm deeper in relationship. I'm talking about deeper in the call that God has on your life. There is more because again, for myself, I'm living with this mindset of eternity. I, one day, I'm going to have to stand before the Lord and give an account for what he called me to do. I want to make sure it's fulfilled. I want to make sure it's done. And part of that is living in humility. So this again is how God views pride. He hates it. It's an abomination to him. Proverbs chapter eight, verse 13. You guys got that on the screen there? It says, all who fear the Lord, what will they hate? Evil. What does it mean to fear the Lord? Does it mean to be scared of him? No, it means to be reverential. To be, God, Lord, I honor you. You're number one. Those that put this reverential fear in God will hate evil. And so God says, therefore, I hate pride and arrogance, corruption and perverse speech. I hate it. Let's just talk about pride today. So we're not going to go in the other one. This is what he can't stand. Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 5. <clears throat> Exalting yourself is what? Disgusting. I just watched Hitch the other day. And uh, Albert Brenneman does that. <laughs> Disgusting. Exalting yourself is what to the Lord? All right. Three people heard that. What does your Bible say? Exalting yourself is disgusting. What is disgusting? Exalting yourself is disgusting to the Lord for pride attracts his punishment. And you can count on that. (laughs) Oh, maybe it was just good to laugh. So what I'm doing, I'm going, thank you, Lord. This is, I'm, I'm going to identify it. I want it out. Go for it, Lord. Get, let's get this out together. Right. Proverbs chapter 21 and verse four, it says arrogance, superiority, and pride are the fruits of wickedness and the true definition of sin. said, I hate it. All right, so when pride comes, so not only does God hate it, but when pride shows up in a person's life, look what happens next. I believe I have Proverbs chapter 11, verse 2. It says, proud men, when pride comes, then come shame. And what are we dealing in this world more than anything? Shame. What's the cure for it? Oh, just prayer. Prayer will help. Oh, just confessing the scriptures will help. Humble yourself. Because when pride comes, then come shame. Oh, I'm so ashamed. Oh, you know what? Part of it too is, I'll, I'll kind of jump in ahead. But even any kind of form of embarrassment is a form of pride. Why are you embarrassed? Well, I don't, I don't want to look stupid in front of people. I don't want to look, I don't want to look bad. Where humility just is, this is it. Here I am. This is a big one for me. Because I remember when I first started dating Jamie, I, I mean, again, I'm an Enneagram type three. So for those of you that follow that, I'm a three. And so for me, my slogan is image is everything. So I need to look good in order to feel like I'm doing something important. So I remember my first date with Jamie, I lied through my teeth. Again, that's another form of pride. I told her basically I went to the moon and back and survived without an astronaut seat. I was something else. I did this. I did that. And all of a sudden we're, we're talking and going through this whole thing. And she's looking going like, wow, you're something else. I'm like, yeah, I, I sure am. You sure am. And what is it? Humility loves truth. And, you know, I, I missed a verse, but Obadiah chapter, there's only one verse, but verse three, it says, because of the, um, I have it written down. 
that says this, the pride of your heart has deceived you. So what's happening now is I'm living in a deception. I'm living in something that's not true, but I think it is. And oh, I'm, I'm deceived. And here I'm living this whole thing. And I remember when Jamie and I first got married. So this is why we're dating. So I'm like a hot shot. I'm all this. I'm all that. And basically God's gift to the world and her. <laughs> You're laughing. This hurt. <laughs> and then I remember I just, I started falling in love with Jesus. This, I just started falling in love with him. I'm like, man, you are something else to me. He is so kind, even in my stupidity. And I remember I would just spend some time in, in praying in other tongues. So if you don't want to walk with him, don't pray in tongues. Okay, I'll just tell you that right now. Don't do it. So I spend some time just every evening. I would just be with him for good, a good part of my night. And all of a sudden, <laughs> he told me I had to clear the air with all the lies that I presented on our first date. God, it doesn't matter anymore. We're married. I'm good now. I don't need to get her anymore. We're, like, it's good now. <laughs> like, I don't want to lose this. Like, that's how bad it was. God, I, I don't want to mess this up. So I had to, you know, the best time to get her is in the shower because, you know, it's hot and she can't get out. And Hey, Jane? Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, it's the nurse. In this I, I got to tell you some things. Can I wait? No, I got to tell you right now. Because <laughs> I got to work. I got to go to work in a little bit. <laughs> So I'm just starting to share with you, you know, all those things that I talked about, you know, like who I was and what I did in my soccer career, what I did in schooling and all of this. And all I said, never happened. <laughs> what? <laughs> and it wasn't like an invitation to jump in. That was more like, what's wrong with you? What? <laughs> and, uh, and I said, well, there's more. And I had to keep going down this whole thing. And it hurts so good. Because what I'm doing is I love him. I want to walk with him. I messed it up and it hurt her. Now, here's the thing that I'm really learning even in my life right now is talking about godly sorrow and natural sorrow. Godly sorrow is so good. It has a different viewpoint, though, than natural sorrow. People have this natural sorrow, but natural sorrow, it actually says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, it leads to death. What is natural sorrow? It's I got caught but I'm worried about my calling. I'm, wor I'm worried about what I'm going to look like. I'm worried about what other people are going to think about me. Whereas godly sorrow is focused on, I hurt you, God, and I'm hurting the people I love. And that godly sorrow, it leads to repentance and freedom. You want to know the difference is King Saul and David. King Saul, when he did not obey the voice of God, Remember the voice came? We were actually talking about this yesterday, Jordan. We were talking about uh, King Saul, the voice was to come in and you're going to wipe out this whole kingdom because they were, you know, enemy against Israel. Saul, he obeyed 99%. He killed everything except he kept a few good sheep and he kept the king. And so Samuel comes to him and goes, what have you done? Rather than hearing, good job, man, you did it. He goes, why didn't you obey God? Right? And afterwards, you know, kind of went through this whole thing. But Saul's whole focus is, okay, I've sinned, I messed up, but come with me. Let's, let's dedicate a sacrifice to the Lord so that you, people will still see that you are with me. His focus is, I don't want to look bad. I don't want the kingdom to look bad on me. I, I don't want that. So what is that? It's pride. And that sorrow leads to death. And that's where you have depression. That's where you have shame. And that's where everybody's going because it's a self-absorbed focus. Whereas godly sorrow, which leads to true repentance, and on top of that, freedom is focused on, I hurt the heart of God, and I hurt the person I love. That'll change you. 
Because this is what David did after he committed adultery with Bathsheba, murdered her husband, and all of a sudden the prophet Nathan comes to him and says, this, you know, gives that whole example and says, that man was you. What did David do? I sinned. What did he do? He fell on his knees and said, Lord, I sinned to you. Psalm 51, and you alone have I sinned against. Lord, spare, spare not this, you know, protect Bathsheba, this baby. I, I messed this up. Don't put it on her. And what happened to him? He got restored. Can you see the difference in this? It's all self-focus on that. Okay. Proverbs 16, 18. So anyways, uh, I made it up with Jamie. We're good. <laughs> but was that easy? Oh, God, no. <laughs> I was her knight in shining armor until I walked in humility. But you know what the real thing is? Is after I walked in humility, I became the knight in shining armor. <laughs> Anyway, Proverbs 16, verse 18 in the Message Bible, it says, first pride, then the crash. The bigger the ego, the harder the fall. No matter what, when you go up, you will come down. If you build yourself up without God exalting you, you will fall down real fast and it'll hurt. And lastly, Proverbs chapter 29, verse 23 in the Passion, it says, lift yourself up with pride and you will soon be brought low. And the, the, actually the word low if you study that out in the Aramaic, Aramaic actually says the word, you'll be brought to depression. This is where it all stems from. Rather than just throwing pills at all this stuff, and I, don't get me wrong, if you need some of it, go for it, do it. But the reality says, lift yourself up with pride and you will soon be brought to depression. If you puffed yourself up anywhere, it's the result. But he says, but a meek and humble spirit will add honor to you. But the good news is, look, we're walking in humility, aren't we? So what's going to happen? Honor. Honor's coming your way. Can, can we see this? Are we okay? I know you're quiet. You're probably taking it in, but it's okay. And a great example of this, you can read it in Daniel chapter 5, King Nebuchadnezzar. He was so puffed up in pride. And the end result of him is he lost his mind. And he became like a donkey eating grass for seven years. Remember that story? And it says, finally, when you realize where all your, your wisdom comes from, where all this kingdom came from, you will be restored back to your sanity and reclaim your kingdom. Guess what? He was there for seven years, and the Lord brought it back to him, and he came back and reigned again as a king, and he gave all the honor and the glory to God. Now read it in Daniel chapter 5. It'll, it'll, it'll rock your socks. This is for real. Right? You can see it in the world around you. This is for real. So... Symptoms or indicators of pride. So can we just talk about it? Because what is pride? It's so subtle. It's, you, you may not even recognize it. And for myself, until I started saying to the Lord, Lord, show me if there's anything in my heart that is unclean, Psalm 139, verse 23, that's not right before you, show me. And so all of a sudden, he started showing me areas in life regarding pride. And it's just not some big drastic things. It's just little things. Like, can I show you? All right, I, just need to make, I just need to make sure you're all okay. Are we, are we okay? All right, I can see everybody, the white in their eyes. We're okay. So the first question is, I want to ask you is, and that the Lord asked me, are you always speaking of yourself? Because again, the nature of the flesh is you're self-absorbed, self-centered, my experiences, or what I got in prayer, or what I found in the word, what I've done for the kingdom. 
Okay. You know, John 7, verse 18, this is what Jesus said. A person making things up tries to make himself look good. But someone trying to honor the one who sent him sticks to the facts and doesn't tamper with reality. Jesus never took credit for one message or one miracle he did. What did he do? The Father in me does the work. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? So my, this is what I've done. What's the purpose of talking about me? And I'm talking about myself. Why do I have to talk about me? And you just, if you get right to the bare bones of it, why do I have to talk about me? Because I'm seeking man's glory. I want to look good in their eyes. And for me, that was a very tough one. I wanted to look good in other people's eyes so that I had the respect or I had the image or people would think, okay, well, you know, he's a pastor. He have it, should have it all together. I'm done, but I'm working through it. And what I'm doing is with God on my side and walking in humility, he's showing me stuff and it's great. <laughs> I'm okay. I, I'm fine, but th this is, a, this for me, this is, means more to me than anything. I'd rather hear the truth and be corrected than hear some sort of deceptive lie that'll keep my ego going. I don't need that. I want truth because I want to walk with him. Again, it's not how high I can jump. It's how straight I land, how straight I walk when I land. I'm interested in walking the straight line. All right. Thank you, Pastor Marlene. Hoorah. So I'm never going to try to impress. Just be impressive. See that again? Don't try to, be, don't try to impress. Just be impressive. Hmm. All right. When you talk about yourself, you're setting yourself up for a fall. Now, should I share my accomplishment with others? Absolutely. Is there anything wrong with sharing, man, some victories that you had? Not at all. We need to hear those things. Just make sure you give honor to where honors due. That's all, right? Oh, I got myself out of that funk. I saved that person, that family member. I prayed for him for four years and he finally got into the kingdom. What is that? It's subtle. It's pride. Well, how about Jesus who died on the cross for him? What about the Holy Spirit that convicted him? What about that person that invited him to church? What about the preacher who pre preached the message and he heard it? What about all those people that back home that have been praying him for years? Well, I prayed for four years and he got it. Yeah, just it, all I'm saying, you may sound, you may say, oh, that's really picky. It's called being trained. There's a difference between being picky and being trained. I, I'm looking at walking with him right. Okay. All right. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to let my fruit talk for myself. Proverbs 27, 2. It says this, let someone else praise you, not your own mouth, a stranger, not your own lips. Let your fruit talk for itself. Next verse is 2 Corinthians chapter 10, 18. Paul is saying, so let's be clear. To have the Lord's approval and commendation is of greater value than bragging about oneself. He in this verse is talking about his apostolic ministry. Right, people going around at that time and saying, well, I'm an apostle. You know, when I hear that, I'm an apostle. Calm down. Like, absolutely, do we want to honor the gifts? Absolutely, we honor the gifts that the Lord gives. I, I get that. But there comes a fine line between honor and just straight-up arrogance. Where all of a sudden, you are something else. Man, you got nothing apart from His grace on your life. Like, I know that. It's not like I'm some amazing preacher. It's His grace on my life. I know that. And when I can acknowledge that... Guess what comes to me? More grace. 
Oh, just, man, what will happen? I'll get better and better. How come? Because it's him working in me. And that's my goal. I don't want to just stay where I'm at. I want to grow in this gift. Anyways. So that's the first question. Are you always speaking of yourself? Number two is, are you unhappy unless you are seen and noticed? Are you only happy when you're the center of attention? How do you handle being ignored? Does it bother you when you're not noticed? And you've got to ask yourself this question is, why does it bother me when I'm not noticed? And again, if you get to the very bottom line of this whole thing is, pride, I want people to see me. These are questions the Lord asked me. So I'm just asking y'all, right? You can do them with you what you want. Maybe the Lord's asking you different questions. But this was a big one. Are you unhappy unless you are seen and unnoticed? You know what my answer was truthfully to that? Yeah. I am unhappy. Why am I not the center of attention? I'm a pretty funny guy. What was that? Pride. So what did I have to do? I had to learn to back up a little bit. And at the same time, when I come in anywhere, even if nobody even noticed me. And this is a big one because, I mean, growing up in the family that I did, and thank God for it, it's, it's good. But a lot of times I wanted to make sure I'm the best. I had to look the best. I had to be the best. And if that carries over in the ministry, did you sit in the front seat? No. Well, then what are you? That's how I looked at it. That's how I took and go, I'm, I'm a failure. If I'm not in the front, what good am I? What use am I to anybody else on this green earth? So you know what I did this last minister's conference I was at? I sat in the very back. Why? Because what, again, why do I have to sit in the front? To be seen of men. So what am I going to do? Park my behind in the very back seat. Not that I wasn't participating, not going like, oh, I just don't care. Just going, no, I'm proving to myself that I'm okay being ignored. <laughs> I hope you're having fun because this is hurting me, all right? <laughs> I'm sitting in the back for no other reason simply than just to prove to myself I don't need people to notice me. And what? I, went, I was by myself. I don't need to be noticed. Because listen, I've tried making a name for myself. How did that go? Not good. And I got God on my back on that. Not fun. So what I'm going to do? I'm going to just, I'm going to humble myself before him. Now, it doesn't mean that everybody in the back row is humble. Do you understand what I'm saying? That doesn't mean anything at all. It doesn't mean if you go for the front seat, that doesn't mean that you're arrogant. It doesn't mean that at all. For me, I was running to the front because I wanted to be seen. Oh, oh hey, man, what's up? Just sitting in the front. Oh, you're in the back? Oh, yeah, that's cool. If, if you don't do much, that's the mentality. I had to ask myself, why, how am I? Why do I want to run there? Like, ask yourselves these questions. Anyway, that felt, that felt good. Uh, why did it bother me when I wasn't noticed? That's why. But thank God, I want that out. Why? I want to walk free of that junk. Because <laughs> you know what happened to me? I would get into a dark place. If I didn't get it and if I wasn't noticed, I'd just go, I'm, I'm of no use. I put my value based on what other people thought about me. My joy was in your brain. Seriously, that's how I lived my life. I'm happy based if you're happy with me. Oh, God, and a lot of people are angry at me. I can't get any fun out of that. Anyhow. <laughs> Number three. I hope you're writing these down because this is agony for me. Okay. How do you handle being treated unfairly? What happens 
if you get the wrong order at a restaurant. Somebody at Starbucks makes your drink wrong. Somebody better answer me here. I've been in restaurants. I'm not going to name names. They don't go here anymore. Don't worry. <laughs> I was at a restaurant one time. We went as a Bible school and we went there just a kind of a class celebration just to get together. And we did that. Uh, this lady ordered a meal and she's, you know, I'll have this, I'll have that. I'm like, dear Lord, just eat what they give you. It was like to the T of stuff. The meal came down and there's a few things missing. She lost it. Just totally went after the waitress. And I, for one, I was disgusted. What is wrong with you? I actually asked her, like, what's wrong with you? Just eat it. Like, oh, it didn't have that. It didn't have the proper seeds. And then shut up and eat. Anybody else think like that? Just, just eat it. And eat what you don't want. That's fine. But just to go over the coals. Listen, our, what we do for the kingdom is not just Sunday. We do things throughout the entire lives and our days. We're, we're showing Jesus to the world. How do you, I mean, you, what does it do? I'm going to put my, my, my feet in her shoes. She's had a horrible, horrible, you know, people coming along, ungodly people that are coming in, raking her over the coals. And now a church person's doing that? Oh, and I'm going to leave five bucks because they did it wrong. You prideful person, you. So arrogant. Well, they didn't do it right. I asked for a non-fat skinny latte, blah, 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 blah latte. <laughs> and all of a sudden, oh, um, sorry, I put a little bit of whipped cream. What do you mean you put whipped cream on that? And it is just flesh. So much flesh. And what does it God look at it? He goes, I hate that. It's arrogance. So anytime somebody messes up your drink or it's okay to get it corrected. But you can do it with love and with dignity going, you know what? This this happened a few times. All of a sudden they gave me the wrong drink. Oh, I, you know what? I'll just I'll just hang on to this one, try something new. And they go, Really? I'm like, oh yeah, not a problem at all. I've had ladies just go, Thank you. I'm I'm so sorry that I messed it up. And they give me a t or give me a Starbucks card afterwards. Like Come on. What is it, pride? Anyways, next one. Number four is, can you show interest in others? Because pride is not interested in other people. It's not interested in their views. Pride is interested in its own views. Pride is not a good listener. It's an interrupter. I'm going to finish up here right away. Interrupting is a manifestation of selfishness and pride. Do you know people that interrupt? What is that? What I have to say is more important. What I, my view on this specific topic, way more important than what anybody's got to say. Pride is always interrupting. Humility will listen. <laughs> I, you wanna, I'll just here give you a cool example. Just a, a minister, a friend that I know, uh, he had been traveling extensively and he had done a lot of meetings within that week. He was speaking at a conference. He had probably spoke about 20 times that week. So he was pretty drained and he got on the plane to go back home. And uh, he was telling me just this, uh, the lady that came up to him, you know, just real, they, she just came out of a conference as well, not the same one, but a different one. And she was just excited, man, talking about this is what God's been doing. And man, it's just all about, you know, church growth and get involved and serve. And man, it's so good. And she started asking him like, well, are you a Christian? And he, the minister goes, yeah, yeah, I am. And she goes, well, what are you, what have you been doing for the kingdom? He says, well, you know, I've spoken here and there. And this guy really walks in humility. So I'm following this guy's example. And uh, all of a sudden she says, well, man, you need to be doing more. There, there's a, so much more that you can be doing. There's a lot more that you can be doing. And rather than just saying, well, I'm a preacher, you know. I just preached 20 times this past week. That'd be pride. He just said, yeah, you know what? I, I definitely could do a little bit more. There's, not, there's no, no doubt about that. I could definitely be doing a lot more. When he told me that, I just go, I want to be like that. 
rather than jumping, no, look what I did. Look at, look at all my tickets and look at all the things that I do, all my badges. Look at all the stars that I got on my attendance sheet. Just, yeah, you know, I could definitely do a little bit more than that. Okay. Oh, man. And last one is, are you easily angered and in strife? Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 10, it says, pride leads to arguments. Be humble, take advice, and become wise. So the question is, are you always easily angered and in strife? What is strife? Strife is the result because, again, strife is a manifestation of the enemy, right? Can we all agree on that? Strife is a manifestation of the, of the enemy. The enemy can't just come in and cause problems. Somebody has to yield to it. The fights that Jamie and I have had, a lot of them, the arguments that we've had in our marriage, simply because, really, I wanted to get my point across. So she would share her side of it. Am I listening? I ain't listening. I'm loading my gun in the back. I'm like, say it, honey. Just say it. And as soon as she's done, whoop And you come with full force, and it just spirals the whole way down. Woo! Did I get my point across? Yeah! Was my wife hurt? Oh, yeah. And what happened? Strife one. So what did I do? I have to humble myself. Jamie, I am so sorry. I missed that. So what the Lord's been telling me is just very simply, identify pride, admit it, make a change. Are we okay? And this is the whole purpose of wanting to go forward with him. I do apologize. I went a few minutes over this morning. Hey, thanks for listening. If you live in the central Alberta region of Canada, we'd love to have you come out and check out one of our weekend messages. For more info on all of our directions, service times, and children's programs, visit our website at impactlife.ca. That's impactlife.ca.